Fika is a very Swedish custom which basically means that you take a break from your activity to have a cup of coffee or tea and maybe eat something sweet. In Fika with us, we are inviting you to join us for a Fika and listen to different topics regarding international student life at Linköping University. In this episode of Fika with us, we are joined by Abhijit and Rebecca. We will talk about how you can prepare you to Lean Shopping University and what to do once you get to Sweden. My name is Julia. Let's start the Fika. Hey guys, I'm really happy Hello. to have you here. Hello. All right. First of all, this episode is well technically about moving, especially moving to a completely different and new country. And I would say kudos to everyone who's done it. So, yeah. Well done, guys. It's it's a big piece of work. Um, but we're going to try to make it a little easier for everyone that's listening. But first of all, um would you like to introduce yourselves? All right, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Rebecca. I'm studying the master's in applied ethology and animal biology. I'm in my last year, so I'll be finishing pretty soon. And I moved to Sweden in August 2020. Nice. And of course, very important question on this podcast. Uh, what's your favorite fika? Hmm. Today I've been feeling more or less sweet. I don't know. Hmm. Let's say less sweet. Um, I don't really like the general fika, um, so I'm gonna say carrot cake. It's a very good fika. Hello, I'm Abhijit, and I'm in my second semester of my master's degree in statistics and machine learning. I moved here uh, last year in August. My favorite fika right now is uh, eating donuts with black coffee, but I'll definitely gonna try the clad cacao with black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. Um, maybe I should say a few words to myself as well, because I have also moved to Sweden uh, from Germany. But um, by now, that's a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm almost finished with my bachelor's studies uh, in biomedicine. Um, so I hope we have some, some good tips for you guys. Uh, in general, we're going to be talking mostly about formalities that you can prepare before coming to Sweden or things that are actually, you know, that you have to take care of. Um, and of course, we will talk about those kinds of things for someone that wants to move to Sweden outside the EU or the EEA. Um, but since Rebecca and I are from from the EU, we will throw in a few tips and tricks and um, information. Because, of course, for people that are citizens of the EU countries, uh, it's much easier and hassle-free to move yes, to Sweden. Yes, definitely. It's literally like, you want to move to Sweden? Sure, okay, let's go. But that doesn't mean it's completely easy. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. But first of all, uh, given that, of course, you've applied to Lane Shopping University and you got accepted, the first thing you should do is to pay your tuition fee on time. This is very important because if you don't pay on time, you might lose your spot, which no one wants. And you also need to have proof that you paid your tuition fee to be able to apply for a residence permit, which you do need if you come from outside the EU. Abhijit, I bet that is something you went through. What, what was your experience? Of course, uh, 
Uh, it wasn't as complicated as I assumed, but not easy as well because I connected to many people before coming here so that they could help me who had been not just to Sweden, to different countries as well. So they could help me in uh, planning my travel better. And coming for the residence permit part, of course, yes, we need to pay the tuition fee uh, before time and then we can apply for residence permit, which takes uh, uh, in general like two, two and a half months for you to get it. If I remember correctly, I applied it on somewhere around 10th of May and uh, my residence for, for that, uh, the it was accepted in the mid of June somewhere and the nearest spot for the interview was in the first week of July and I had to move here in the first week of August. So even after going for the interview, it takes like three weeks for the card to arrive. So yeah, it, it takes a longer time, but being organized can definitely help you. Yeah, I, I personally didn't know that it takes such a long time. Uh, and you mentioned this interview. W- where do you do this interview? What is it for? Uh, basically, you need to visit the Swedish embassy. Uh, in, in your home country your home, or wherever yeah, of you course, live? in our home country, where uh, the date you schedule to, you just need to go there, fill a small form, they'll take a picture, and you need to do a signature. And uh, you can opt for the either a delivery or you can collect it from there. So that that's a small process. Okay, and of course, like the residence permit is one of the essential things you need before coming to Sweden, just to make sure that you're legally here, basically sat. And I mean, for us Europeans, it's a tight bit easier. I mean, I didn't even have to fill out anything. I just, you know, took a train to Sweden and here I am. I mean, uh, one thing I would say, because when you when you're applying, you have to submit proof that you're a European citizen, yes. and that's usually either your ID card or your passport. But I would actually recommend that if you if you can, if it's not too big of a hassle for you, that you actually get your passport done because that is something that is internationally recognized. And I know that some institutions maybe they might frown a little bit upon your national ID card because that's not mm. standardized throughout all of Europe. And if I'm not mistaken, especially Greek ones, they're still like these old, they look a little bit like library cards. So some places don't really accept those. So if you can, it's actually quite useful to get your passport done because then you you are absolutely sure that it's going to be recognized as a form of ID everywhere you go, like banks or I don't know, any other institution you might want to. Yeah. Um, And I mean, make sure that your passport is valid for yeah, at least some time because you do need to travel back to your home country if you need a new passport. You cannot always do that at the embassy. Like, of course, there are cases where it works, but it's better to have a year or two running on your passport. It just makes things easier, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, to come back to the residence permit, um, the university actually recommends you to apply by 1st of June latest to make sure that you get it in time that you can come here to Sweden and start your studies. Coming here to Sweden, next point, where am I going to live? That's, of course, a huge question that everyone deals with, international students, just as well as people from other parts of Sweden. Um, so, of course, the need is is big, especially during the summer months when loads of students move here and need to find an apartment. And it can be stressful, I would say. Could how how did you find housing, Rebecca? Where do you live right now? So I live in a student corridor and the, I guess, more common way to live is in a student corridor. But you can still, 
live in a shared apartment from a private uh, landlord. Um, but most students live in student corridors. And the way you get those is through one of the big housing companies. And most of them work through the point system, which is something quite unique to Sweden, I would say. Um, but basically, in land shipping specifically, you don't have to pay to be in the queue system. You can just create an, a free account with your email address and, and so on and so forth. And you can start collecting points right away. And it's really, really, really good if you create this account as soon as you're just considering applying to Lynn Shipping University. Definitely. Don't wait to be admitted because if it doesn't have any costs, there's no risk for you. You're just creating an account and you only need to log in every six months to maintain your points. So I would definitely say create an account with all the student housing companies that you ha can have here in Lynn Shipping. And then once the time comes... Everyone's trying to arrive at the same time, which is August, which is when the the, the semester, um, I mean, the semester starts at the end of August, but there's an arrival period. So everyone's trying to arrive at the same time. It's useful if you have the possibility to come in a little bit earlier, but if you try and come too early, there might be issues as well, because a lot of the housing contracts are not available before the start or the middle of summer. Because like previous students are still living there and you're still not officially a LU student. Um, so you cannot come, for example, in May. Like that would be too early to Unless come to you Sweden. have housing otherwise. Exactly. Like Unless with, you with other rental companies or private. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm i I'm talking about the the housing contracts with yeah. the, with these with these big companies. Um, but that is the most common way to live. Of course, you also have like Facebook groups of people trying to find housemates. Uh, if something very common is just that Swedes post there and just talk about themselves. So like, hi, my name is this. I'm looking for a house or a room to stay in and I'm quiet and I don't mind living with animals and I don't smoke. Yeah, that's it's, exactly, that's the perfect exactly. description of like how to find an apartment <laughs> in Sweden. Yeah, so that is very, very common in, in the Facebook groups. And if you look for housing fa Facebook groups, you're going to find them. And Swedes just use Facebook a lot in general, I noticed, which is quite interesting because most other European countries just consider it like, this old is something school? for old people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say sign up as soon as possible. And then once you see rooms available starting uh, in a date that's that works for you, um, then and apply. Uh, you can always see which people are ahead of you in the queue. But don't get discouraged by that because a lot of t you can apply up to five rooms at the same time, I believe. So obviously, uh, if someone gets put in a room and has applied for five, they're going to have to reject four of them, which means that even if you're not ahead in the queue, you're you might still uh, have a chance at that housing if the other person doesn't either respond or if they rejected. So don't lose hope in that sense. It's always quite scary and daunting, to be honest. Um, and if you, if it's a day of your flight and you still haven't found accommodation, look for an Airbnb or a hotel or a hostel, or if you have a friend to stay with, like if your friend has a room and you don't, it's perfectly fine that you stay with them temporarily. So if it's just for a week or two, then there won't be any issues as long as you're still looking for housing on your own. And there's rooms that have their contracts starting in September. So usually that's like your second week of class. Um, but it might be a lot easier to find a room then. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, even if you feel like that, maybe a corridor room is not really what I'm looking for or what I where I want to live in. It's a great option because it's for the beginning. It's it's safe. 
it's easy to get it. You know that this is a legit company. They're not going to scam exactly, me and, exactly. you know, charge me money and then walk away. Because that does happen. And especially on Facebook, you, you got to be careful to not pay any money in advance until you, Absolutely. you have the keys in your hand, you've seen the apartment, you have a contract and all that. So yeah, definitely be careful. To be frank, I was not considering to live in a quarter room because I wasn't sure of staying with seven different people and <laughs> sharing uh, a living room or kitchen. But after coming here, I must say that I'm actually enjoying it and I'm not considering my second options. So I would be living in a quarter room for the time I'm here in Lynn Shopping. Yeah, and if you end up in a room that you don't like, uh, the contracts are usually like if you give a month's notice, you could move out. So... Depending on where you are, obviously, you should read your contract for this. But if you're staying for a full program, there is always the option of moving away later. Exactly. So yeah. you can stay in a room that you don't like as much, but... You can always find something better. Exactly. And I, I know that at least Student Postater um, makes it easier for you to switch rooms within the company. So if you're in a corridor room that you don't like as much and you would like to move to a different living area, for example, Student Postater allows you to... like. Not, I mean, you still need to be accepted in the room and apply for it like everyone else, but then like transferring your contract in a way that you don't have to pay double rent, that is sometimes possible. So it's, I mean, it's always important to speak to them first, but sometimes they make that uh, fairly easy. Um, and I think that's quite nice because, I mean, you are moving within the same country, so you're still yeah. a company, so you're still having the, um, the same landlord in a way. Yeah, that's great. And um, what's next on the list? Well... Very important as well, you do need to register with the Swedish tax agency, which is called Skatteverket, if you intend to live in Sweden for more than one year. So, yep. for example, if you are an Erasmus student or an exchange student who's going to stay for like three months or one semester, then you do not need to register with a Skatteverket. But as said, if you want to stay longer than a year, and I think most master students, well, stay at least two years here in Sweden... You do need to sign up with them. And there's plenty of information out there on their website uh, in English as well. And you can actually start this process even before you come to Sweden. Like there's certain details they're going to ask you about your name, your, your, you know, when you were born and where you're going to live and things like that. So those are things you can get started like right before you're, you're heading to Sweden. Um, I did that and I, I printed the documents And I was expecting it to take a long time when I walked up to Skatteverket. It's actually surprised me quick. Yeah, and, and, I, and I walked in uh, and there was a queue. So I asked one of the, uh, the persons working there. I was like, I have these documents. What do I do? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to take them off of you. You're done. And I'm like, really? Ooh, wow. <laughs> That was very quick and very nice. Um, and in general, they're all quite helpful there. And it's no worries to speak English. So... If I remember correctly, I arrived on 9th of August here. And mm. the first thing that I did, uh, that why I, I came in the evening around maybe 6 p.m. or something. So the first thing that I did after coming to Lynn Shopping, uh, that is on 10th of August, that I went to Scatterworket before even coming here. Well done. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I went there, I filled the form, I uh, did all the formalities. And then after um, being done from there, then I came to university and then I collected my university card as well. Because uh, before coming here, many people told me that it takes a long time for you to get the appointment. Uh, basically, they say that it may take like two to three months like for the entire process to be completed yeah. to get the Swedish ID card. 
So I did that uh, the f- as the first thing that I after coming here. So yeah, it's recommended to do. Yeah, that. definitely. Because yes. first of all, when you go there and you fill out the documents, all you get is a number. It's basically a, like your your date of birth plus four random numbers. Yep. Um, and this is very important in Sweden. Like if you don't have a personal number, um, there are many things that are a little harder for you. Like uh, your personal number. You use it at the doctor's office, for example, so that they can access your medical records. You use it to use like online payment systems like Klarna or, you know, there are a If lot of things. you want to sign up for a membership. Yeah. Maybe of a anything. COVID test. COVID test. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the whole healthcare system works yeah. around this. And of course, for your tax <coughs> returns as well. Yes. Um, and once you filled out these documents, you have to wait for, you know, for the letter to arrive with your actual personal number in it. Uh, and after that, you can uh, you can make an appointment to get your. It's not really a, it's not an official ID card. Like it is only valid within Sweden. You can't mm-hmm. travel with it outside of Sweden. Technically, technically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a way of identification, well, basically. But I mean, usually before all of this happens, you do have a few more other things to sort out. Uh, for example, insurance. It's a very important thing as well. Make sure that you have good health insurance. Yes. Um, because even I, I am from, you know, I'm from Germany, just moving to Sweden. I, even I got health insurance because I didn't know what the healthcare system is like here. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just like, I've read about this, but is this really like this? Like, I couldn't believe that I would just be accepted did in the healthcare system here oh, so okay. I, i like I, i couldn't believe that it sounded too like it sounded too good to be true because for me i i just went to the uh to social security back home mm-hmm. uh and i applied for a european health insurance card which, oh but yeah which is i have that already yeah so and and that is enough because you you can only apply for a swedish personal number if you show proof of health insurance Um, and for me, that was showing my, my European health insurance card. So w- without that, you, you cannot apply for a Swedish personal number. Um, so I definitely recommend that you get that done in advance. It usually doesn't take too long and it's not super difficult. Mm. Um, but it's basically for, for travel in general. So if you travel, I don't know, to Italy and you happen to break a leg, then you, you have proof that you're a European citizen and you have European health insurance yeah, card. So you get treated as a, a national. Yeah. It's, it's really funny because I know uh, apparently a lot of, a lot of countries don't even use this card unless it's for traveling or emergencies. But in Germany, we actually use that every time we go to the doctors. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's so that's why it's so self-understanding that I'm like, yeah, like, why don't you have it? It's normal, but normal that's for me. Now we, so, we have social security numbers and health insurance numbers, but we, yeah, we don't use that card in day to day. It's really mm-hmm. just for traveling. Yeah. Um, and even here in Sweden, you don't use it. Yeah. As soon as you have your personal number, that's all you need. Yeah. I actually... Maybe, I don't know if this is in bad humor, but I, I, I'll, I'll explain it because I, I had an accident um, in, in late October. So just um, three months after I arrived, but I had just gotten my personal number. So in the ambulance, they were like, what's your personal number? Do you have a personal number? And I was like, yes. And then I was like, okay, it's this number and that number and that number and that number. They're like, Rebecca? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, and then because they, they use that for your health information. 
um, so I guess that was a bit uh, dark humor that <laughs> I had just gotten my number a few a few weeks before that. Um, and but yeah, it is useful. <laughs> so yeah. all of this to say that it is useful and and it is used to to identify you. So as soon as you yeah. give that number to someone, they know everything about you, which is why it's also important that you don't share it with anyone that might use it for the wrong purposes. Exactly. One, one benefit of being a fee-paying student that the health insurance is being covered by the university. Like when you pay the tuition fee for the first time, uh, you get the health insurance. So we need not Very take convenient. care. Very <laughs> convenient. That's nice. Yeah. Because we have a lot of things to take I mean, care before coming here. We don't so one pay thing for the covered yeah. European one, health one insurance less. card. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there are other insurances. For example, travel insurance. Yeah, of course. If you do want to get mm-hmm. that, you know, make sure you get it in good time. And here in Sweden, it is, well, I would say mandatory to have house housing insurance, yeah, um, which covers like, can cover, of course, it depends on your contract, but it can cover several things. Like if you set your apartment on fire or if, if it gets Natural robbed disasters. or yes, or sometimes it could even include like things like your bike. What happens if that gets stolen? Like that's definitely something to look into. Um, also, yeah. I don't know how it is in corridor rooms. Do you need to get that as well? Yeah, it's not included. Okay. But uh, unless you get a corridor room through the university. Okay. So if you get a corridor room through the university, that's included. Um, house insurance is included. Um, but if you rent it directly with the housing company, then that is not included. Okay. And there are several options. I think there's one quite popular with international students because they themselves make it quite accessible for international students. So they're very English friendly and so on and so forth. But there is a couple of different options. I would honestly just recommend like speak to a Swedish person and ask them what they're doing and how much it costs. And then have a look at their website and kind of decide whichever one works best for you. And also keep in mind that your bike is only covered by insurance if you actually have proof that that is your bike. So you need to have some sort of receipt from your bike. Um, Because if you just buy it off of another student, then you can't really have it covered because Mm. you don't really have proof that that's your bike could have gotten stolen. I don't (laughs) know. Um, So that's that's also something to keep in mind. And I mean... You shouldn't get scared by like hearing about insurances. Like it's not that expensive. Like it's usually calculated based on the square meter, uh, like amounts of square meters that you live in. So of course, if you have a 120 square meter apartment, (laughs) of course your insurance is going to be a little more expensive than living in a 15 square meter. Uh, Only so much can fit into a student corridor room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is the logic behind that. If you have a big mansion, you can just have a lot more possessions. Yeah, Yeah. true. Never thought about that. It makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense, of course. (laughs) Someone smart thought of this once a while. Definitely not not me. Uh, But if you're smart... Do it like Abhijit, figure out the personal number straight away. <laughs> yes. Um, and as soon as you get the number, you can make an appointment for your ID card online. Um, and it's very convenient because they will measure your height right at the appointment and they will also take your picture and your signature. Although um, I can't say, for me personally, they just took the height that was on my passport. They didn't actually measure me. They were like, I mean, you did this password when a uh, passport when you were already like, at all grown that's up. not going to grow more <laughs> it's like it says that you're 170 centimeter, centimeters C- can we just keep this and i was like yeah i'm, I'm totally fine with all that. right okay so sometimes they do speed up the process even more <laughs> um 
But good to know about this card is that you need to pay for it. Uh, it's around 400 crowns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's valid for, I think, three years or something like that. Wait. Because <laughs> I think I need to renew mine. <laughs> uh, just a little point about the height that you were talking about. <laughs> so uh, when we go for uh, at the Swedish embassy uh, for our interview, they me- measure the height as well. And it shouldn't be significantly different when you come here uh, and they, they measure your height. So I don't exactly remember the, uh, the difference that it shouldn't vary about. But yeah, it shouldn't be significantly different. Okay. They just want to make sure that you're actually the person yeah. that showed up at the embassy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, how long is the valid? Five years. I see this on the five card. years. Wow. Yeah. Well, I must have messed it up with any of the other ID cards I have. There are too many when you live in it's several countries. Interesting that it's valid for five years, even though like, I mean, you only know that you're gonna spend like the two years here. Yeah, or like at least a year. I mean, you you get it if you stay for longer than a year but i yeah. mean it's it's practical i guess but it is important to say that if your program is only one year that doesn't count so you cannot apply for a swedish personal number if you're just staying for one year because it, they their definition of one year is 12 months or more and if you have a one year program that's the two semesters which doesn't include the summer so that's only until like june um, which means that it's not 12 months or more. So if you just have a one-year program, then you cannot apply for a Swedish personal number, which it, I find personally a bit frustrating, <laughs> at least for those students, because then, then it's just a lot harder to do things in, in Sweden in general. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having your personal number makes things so much easier. I mean, you need it to open a bank account, yes. and you usually also need the Swedish ID card, Yep. to be able to open a Swedish bank account. So it might be the case that you have to use your home bank for the first few months. So be prepared for that. And if you think that you might need a, a credit card because your debit card might not work everywhere, that's also something to think ahead and prepare before coming to Sweden. Yeah. And, and one of my personal recommendations is you, you can look into like international online banks because those usually have pretty good like conversion rates. So if you come for like from a country that uses a different currency, which is all the countries because no other <laughs> country uses the Swedish krona, um, it's quite useful to have like an account in those online banks um, because you, you have pretty good conversion rates and your home bank, like your bank from back home might charge you quite a lot of fees. I know mine did because they charge a fee for conversion and then a fee for the actual service. Oh, wow. So I... I bought something somewhere and then I was just shocked at the amount of fees and I was like okay I will not use this card here ever again um I personally have Revolut but there's a lot of other options out there so that this is not a sponsorship in any way it's <laughs> it's really just what I personally use but there's a lot of them out there yeah. so have a look and and see if there's anything in there for you and I mean do bring some cash uh, especially for the beginning. Um, but not too much because no, it's not so hard much. to get rid of cash in Sweden. Yeah, that's true. But like I, for example, bought my bike with cash because I didn't have oh, yeah, Swish. Yeah. Bikes so, are usually with cash, yeah. yeah. Swish is, uh, I would say, the equivalent to PayPal, sort of. Like PayPal is used around Europe, but, yeah. but Swish is basically, it's connected to your phone number and you can just send money to your friends or to basically whoever. And receive. Yeah. Yes, and receive uh, and send requests. So 
when you have invited your friends for dinner, you can charge them if you <laughs> <Yeah>. want to. <laughs> and some stores use it as well. Like, yeah. uh, not, I mean, actual like shops and everything, they're going to have a card terminal. Yeah. But if you go to the market or something, then they will just have like their Swish number uh, and that's how you pay them. Yeah, exactly. And you you can only get sort of like Swish on your phone when you have a Swish bank account mm. and something that is called a bank ID, uh, which is basically like a online signature service, yeah. I would say. So it's yeah. it's um, an app that you download and you choose a, a password. Uh, and by using this password, you can, for example, log into your bank account on your phone. You can sign documents online. You can use Swish. Um, so it's it's very important and it will make your life a lot, lot easier. It's the most useful thing. Yes. <laughs> I like your life becomes so much easier after you have bank ID. You're like, oh my God, how did I live in Swedish society yeah. before this? Because you can just log into all the online services like 1177. So if you happen to need to book an appointment or if you or want to book test. a COVID test, exactly. <laughs> you can do everything online. You can book your vaccination online. You can check your results online. And it's the same with a lot of other things. You could just log into everything. And yeah. you can have a digital mailbox. I don't know. It, the possibilities are endless. Definitely. You can open an, a an account in a different bank and it takes five minutes instead of the long process with a lot of paperwork for not having bank ID. <laughs> uh, so it really is like your horizons are suddenly expanded. Yeah. But uh, I'm curious, Abhijit, how did you do it when you came here did you bring cash did you have a credit card what did you do i uh i brought cash but not a lot uh, but i got a credit card uh, which was uh, through a bank where i opened my account which was responsible for converting uh, converting the uh, amount from indian rupees to swedish kroner so that card is basically a travel card where i can uh, give inr in like indian rupees they convert it into seks or euros or whichever uh, uh currency that I need and that that will be loaded to my card and that I can use that card over here. So this is what I brought with me, but I got little cash as well, but it was very helpful, the cash in, in, initially, because I cannot pay to someone from whom I'm purchasing for second hand with a card. Yeah, exactly. Especially in between students, like I had no other way of paying them besides cash. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So uh, the cash that I brought, I, I assume like I, if I could have brought a little more because second hand shopping is very common here when you arrive and at that time you need a lot of stuffs and you would prefer to have something second hand so i exhausted all my cash in that <laughs> and i had to withdraw some amount uh, from the card and withdrawing takes uh, some charge extra like yeah to, to it's load very it. inconvenient yes yeah. it's very inconvenient so yeah i recommended to bring a little cash and uh, of course the, the credit cards that you can yeah sounds good any other tips we have regarding banks and all the finance things? I mean, since we since we mentioned the cost of the Swedish ID card, uh, I would also mention that most banks uh, are free for students. Yes, so once right. you are a student and you have your Swedish ID card and everything, you most banks you can just open an account for free and you get a debit card and you have like your account and you have your apps and whatever and it's free which is amazing <laughs> and the best part or personally the best part um the debit card that you get is basically a credit card like 
it, it doesn't work as a credit card, but you can use it to pay online. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how it is in, in other countries. I thought but that was the norm. <laughs> no, in, in Germany, you have to pay extra to get like a, a credit card that you can use online. If you have a regular debit card, you cannot use it to pay online. And it, it's really bad. That is so strange. And that is when a I completely used, foreign concept yes, to me. I when I moved to Australia, I was like the happiest person alive because I only needed one bank card. And here in Sweden, it was the same. I was like, I'm in heaven. Like, it's so much easier. So much I think that's troubles. just Germans being weird. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we've established this I can for say now. that because I'm half German. Yes. <laughs> all right. But after you've sorted out all of these important things, um, there are a few other formalities that are sort of like optional and depend on you, your personal situation. But for example, if you plan on buying a car here or drive a car in general, um, you have to keep in mind that once you are registered in Sweden, your international driver's license will only be valid for one year. So after that year, your driver's license won't be valid anymore here in Sweden. So you do need to take the Swedish driving test uh, and then... I think you get a Swedish license and you, you're good to go. Or at least it makes your driver's license valid again here in Sweden. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that works, but I've definitely heard that you... Yeah, you do have to, to take do, care of those yeah. things. <laughs> I don't know if it's an extra exam or something, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, for people from the EU, uh, they have this EU driver's license, yeah. which is valid throughout... Uh, so it is valid here in Sweden as well. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, apparently, because um, a friend of mine, he bought a car and he once got stopped by the police. Um, and and they literally told him like, oh, because you don't have a Swedish license, we couldn't see your name. So they could see like the car is registered to this and this person, but they couldn't see if, you know, the person that is driving the car. Oh, okay. Is, That's interesting. Like is... Basically, like, they couldn't double-check the information. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were like, oh, if you want to spare yourself some troubles, just get a Swedish license, because then we can look you up in the system and know that, you know, you're the owner of the car. Do you know how Europeans can go about getting a Swedish license? I think you can just exchange it without any troubles. Oh. I, I, I have no idea. That's why I was asking. Yeah. But I, I think it's actually quite, yeah, it should be pretty straightforward. You probably have to pay something a little bit. Yes, probably. <laughs> I don't think it would be for free. <laughs> yeah, nope. I, I doubt it. Uh, not a lot of things come free. But I mean, if you're planning of living in Sweden after you finish your studies, I, I think that would definitely be something worth looking into because I, I'm guessing that would just make your life a lot easier if you have the documents that yeah. conform to like, what's the Swedish norm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and lastly, before we come to an end in this episode, what are the tips you can give to prospective students what do you think is most important to take care of or what do you think helped you the most once you start thinking to apply for a foreign university start uh, organizing stuff that would be very helpful as already stated by uh, Rebecca I guess so start applying for the accommodation services like just just log in you need not do anything just create an account and you need to log in just for once in six months so that would be one thing that as you apply to universities don't wait for the results which i did i did i wasn't aware of it wasn't that difficult for me to get accommodation but i would have not been in stress of getting it it, uh, it in time or not so that's another thing third thing is um you can apply for visa as early as possible the residence permit that we say 
um so that you have it before uh beforehand and you don't stress uh, at the end moment and then of course pack your essentials uh just make a list of it talk to many people who have traveled abroad if you have not traveled abroad before so prepare a good list be organized and everything will fall in place eventually yeah rebecca any any insights of the european students i mean obviously we have it a bit easier but i would say if you don't have a passport it's useful to get it done because mm-hmm. yeah it's just more widely accepted and it it will avoid uh um confrontations or or any yeah. sort of misunderstandings the european health insurance card absolutely because getting it when once you're in sweden is going to be extremely difficult if not impossible so do that in advance as well and uh yeah accommodation absolutely that's super important so that you have at least a little bit less stress to try and find accommodation but you're let's face it it it's going to be stressful because everyone's trying to find accommodation at the same time but also just if it's possible for you try to be here a little bit earlier at the beginning of the welcome period because then you just have a little bit more time to look around and like where is skatteverket like where can i apply for a swedish personal number okay where is the the nearest supermarket okay i can i can do groceries there so just to get your bearings and you know buy a bike uh, and uh, just have a look around and check out your room or if you don't have a room you're in an airbnb but you're still looking for accommodation and once you're here it's less likely that you get scammed because you can actually set a meeting point and actually go and see the apartment and and then have the key in your hand before you make any payments. So, yeah, it it will solve itself. I I think you you need to be confident about that. And if you're listening to these episodes and like reading the emails that the university sends you, then I think you're perfectly prepared for what's coming and yeah, good luck. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Fika with us and that you found this information helpful. Thanks, Rebecca and Abhijit, for joining me today. Thank you for having us. You have listened to Fika with us, with me, Julia, and this episode's guests, Abhijit and Rebecca. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Linköping University on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, make sure to subscribe to Fika with us 